Welcome to refreshing, energizing business talk. This is Think Tank, conversations in a digital world, presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Get ready to hear from industry executives and thought leaders on the best strategies and technologies to drive your business forward in times of uncertainty and accelerate success. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Think Tank Conversations in a Digital World. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Oh, my. I have a buzz from a New York Times article 15 years ago, and it will resonate wonderfully with our guests and with our audience on today's topic. Very important. Everybody listen up. Environmental do-goodism. Just let that sink in. Customers can't buy it. Shareholders can't invest in it. But a growing list of big-name companies appear to be spending ever bigger chunks of their advertising budgets to promote it. Yes, New York Times, 2005. We're here in fall of 2020. So what are we talking about today? Climate change, it's real. Look around, wherever you are, ice caps are melting. Once frigid Siberia's summer temperatures are far above normal, it's warming up. Extreme weather is fueling forest fires. We know about that in the news here in the US. Tornadoes and hurricanes are stronger than ever. What's going on in the real world? Corporations are seizing the initiative and using technology to help them take meaningful action. There you go, 15 years later, and they're still getting on board. PwC, a leading consulting firm, committed to cut its total greenhouse gas emissions by 50% in absolute terms by the year 2030. That's about 10 years from now. By switching to 100% renewable electricity at all sites, making energy efficiency improvements in their offices, when we go back to offices, and halving, that's cutting in half, business travel and accommodations emissions. We have a panel today of people who are very, very interested in this topic. They're experts. They have a worldview. We're going to be speaking with Intel's Mark Christian. Welcome, Mark. PwC's Viviana Vorwald. Welcome, Viviana. And SAP's Toby Croucher. And I'm going to ask them for their take on something we fondly call ESG, environmental, social, and governance, a growing corporate trend, question mark. Welcome, welcome, welcome again. Happy to be here. Let's go around the table. Mark Christian at Intel, you're up first. Welcome. We're happy to know you. And why don't you tell our audience a little bit about what you do, what makes you an expert or an expert speaker on this topic, and what's your passion for the topic? Mark Christian. All right. Thank you, Bonnie. All right. Mark Christian, I'm a business development manager here at Intel within a a new business group where we're uh, bringing new technology to markets, uh, specifically in infrastructure, natural resources, and uh, utilities. And um, my background is actually a, I'm a geologist, so I was a boots on the ground guy working for a mining company. So resource extraction company is one of my first jobs. Kind of moved through my career doing uh, environmental uh, cleanup projects. And then what I like to say is before I went fully digital, really into the software world, where I started working for a number of companies, bringing new technologies to, say, companies that I had previously worked for to help them uh, essentially operate more efficiently, more efficiently track um some of their uh, activities, uh, you know, quantify them, and uh, at the end of the day, reduce their environmental impact. So, you know, uh, from a personal perspective, I have a lot of passion for this. Uh, I live in Northern California, and um, as we were talking about just before the show, I may not have been able to be here this morning because of um, public safety power shutoffs, right, which are essentially utilities are shutting down power um, because of climate effects to mitigate wildfires. Um, I'm on a uh, a neighborhood association that's trying to do 
bring things local. Everything is a personal responsibility and local in my view. And um, what we do is try to get people to uh, harden their homes, minimize vegetation and other things to reduce the potential impacts of, uh, uh, you know, really a climate um, uh, impact, which is wildfires. So uh, thanks for inviting me, Bonnie. I look forward to the discussion. Thank you, Mark. Very interesting to have that personal perspective. You're right there in the middle of one of the elements I spoke about of of the impact of climate change. Just a quick question for you. Do you think that I'll call it grassroots and that's a little bit of a of a, a not welcome metaphor because you talked about getting rid of vegetation. So we don't want grassroots in a fire zone, right? But do you think that that, that idea of people like you and your neighbors and your association, Mark, saying, what can we do? to not put ourselves in the danger. Do you think this is inspiring companies to say, hey, real people are doing this? That's another reason for us to get on board. Just a quick answer. What do you see? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, one of my views is that, uh, you know, consumer demand or or really helps, right, drive action from a corporate level. And, um, and, you know, it's all about awareness. And so, you know, I can can only really speak for the area where I'm in, but um, I'm seeing definitely there's a groundswell. Thank you very much. Again, a metaphor. <laughs> we, we can't get away from it. Vivian of Warwald, you are waiting patiently. You are our guest from PwC. We're so happy to have you. Viviana, would you do me the honor of introducing yourself to our listeners so they know what you do and why you're here? Viviana, welcome. Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. Nice to be here. Um, so my name is Viviana Vorwald, and I lead the ESG platform for PwC Europe and in the Netherlands. And I'm Actually, uh, also a uh, uh, deals partner in the Netherlands doing transactions in the energy sector uh, and also leads our energy group, our energy utility and resources group. And uh, I've been in the energy sector for about 20 years and, you know, working a lot with with a lot of companies on the whole subject of energy transition and climate. Um, So I have a financial background, uh, uh, but uh, this energy theme I've been passionate about for a long time. And besides that, actually, uh, I've done quite a lot in the area of diversity and inclusion uh, and also equality. So actually, all those factors together add up to ESG. And um, I think it's just great to have this role because uh, helping, you know, as you say, uh, corporations can do a lot to make the world a little bit better. And so I'm also really proud that, uh, you know, we announced as PwC the net uh, zero ambition in 2030. Uh, if we just all help on a personal level, but definitely on a corporate level, that would be great. And actually, I was just thinking, you know, why I have a passion so much for this subject. And it brought me back, actually. I, was, I grew up in South America, in, uh, in Peru, and I always had this great respect for the Inca culture. And they really worshipped Mother Nature. And, uh, uh, and I thought, well, you know, we just have to be, um, you know, we've had economic growth. And uh, I think Mother Earth uh, has suffered a little bit uh, with that. And uh, maybe we can do something to uh, bring it back to its, uh, you know, its original state. Um, so, and, and besides that, another aspect of the Inca culture was sort of um, cultural integration. So I think a lot of aspects from my roots, because uh, I was born there and grew up there for 12 years, I thought it's somehow coming back. Um, So I'm really happy to be here. Thank you very much. 
Thank you, Viviana. Fascinating background. I did not know that for, about you. It didn't wasn't in your bio. And it's always interesting to find out who our guests are as people, not just as, let's say, corporate representatives or, or business speakers. Who are each of you? And, and on some of my other shows, I ask people, how did you get involved with your industry? And the backstories are fascinating. And I love your reference to Mother Earth. Let's see what we can to to bring it back, bring her back, if you will. Thank you, Viviana. A warm welcome to you and Toby Cratcher at SAP. Toby, would you do me the honor as well of introducing yourself, please, and tell us what this topic means to you and how did you come to the subject matter? Toby. So um, my name's Toby. I'm, uh, I didn't grow up in quite as exotic a place as Viviana. I'm, I'm from London, as you, as you may be able to hear. I, um, I started my career in uh, in big oil in the late 90s and i i came from an environmental background so i was i was actually a, a geomorphologist so i did the opposite to what mark uh, did is I, I looked at landforms on the surface rather than uh, beneath the surface as a geologist does and i moved into the, the oil industry <clears throat> and joined a team extraordinarily in the year 2000 this team was called low carbon growth mm. and and in my in my kind of naivety in my 20s I thought it's all about to start now here we go it's gonna go it's gonna, it's gonna go <laughs> and I waited and I waited and, and uh, as time passed you know I, I spent 15 years in the oil industry and um, you know working through as a graduate and I eventually I, I worked for three different oil companies three different energy companies on different continents I was head of environment for a, for a pretty sizable oil company and increasingly, I started going to 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 you know into the field. You know, I I, I was looking at programs in the Arctic, in in Kurdistan, in in primary rainforests, looking at how we you know develop resources, and and even in you know in, in, in countries like Canada, the oil sands development. And um, you know, I, I I it's it 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 as my career evolved in the industry, I found it you know it's 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 hard. Change is really really difficult. So from where I started out. Uh, you know, I, I realized that it wasn't, you know, the pace wasn't quite as I expected. I'd left the oil industry, left the energy industry and joined the, the digital industry and SAP in 2016 as a, an industry advisor. And now the role I have now is, is as our industry lead for, for climate and sustainability. But I do, I do think in my experience and my passion for this is, is actually, you know, a, a lot of the approaches we've tried in the past haven't worked. And this isn't going back 20 years. This is going back a long time. Mm-hmm. And and now, actually, if we start crossing boundaries you know, between digital, between tech, between the energy, if we start bridging boundaries that we haven't bridged before, we're going to start to see ways to do things differently. And that's very much my passion uh, coming to this. Before, if I if I hadn't had a corporate career, I'd have, I'd have loved to have spent my my time in the mountains, uh, you know, just just pottering around, wandering around. I took my oldest daughter. I've got three daughters, three teenage daughters. I took my oldest daughter to the Himalayas uh, mm. uh, last year, and we went up into we went up you know towards Everest Base Camp, and she was saying, "Dad, you know," and she was incredible. It was fan- fantastic trip, and but she said, "Dad, where's the uh, all the pictures we looked at? Where you know where's the ice? Where's the snow? And where's the ice? Where's you know?" And you start, and I said it's a little bit further. Now this was tough. I mean, I was out of breath and you know high altitude. Like <laughs> I wanted her to see the snow and ice, but we had to go a lot further. Uh, you look back at pictures from the the, the 1950s of, of uh, this area, Kumba in the Everest in the 50s, and it's right there. You don't have to go very far, and you it's all there. Now you've got to travel such a long way into the mountains, and it, and for her that really changed the connection for her 
between okay it, there really is something going on it's not just it's not just in the papers so i think there's a real you know there's a real connection here you can build with people once you start to build that link between what you know but between it, it the, the fact it really is something that's going to change around us you can't always see it you can't always feel it but actually if you go to the right places you talk to the the, the right people, you can really get a sense of, of what's happening around us in a way we've never experienced before. Thank you very much, Toby. Love the story about your daughter. And I was going to say that's getting to know the situation up close and personal, but up close was very far away for you, the way you described it. So very, I hope you caught your breath. Did you ever get to take her that deep into the Himalayas to see the ice? She, she, we did. Well, I mean, we got, we got far enough up. She, uh, she handled the altitude much better than me, much better than me. So now, you know, she's, uh, so I'm nervous about our next trip because I think she's got my number actually now. So I, uh, <laughs> uh, little older, a little wiser. We'll leave that one on the table. Thank you all. I really enjoyed getting to know you. Now it's the time of the show where I've asked my panelists to send me a quote from a movie or a song, something interesting that will engage our listeners on a cultural level. The quotes have absolutely nothing to do with the topic and they're going to explain in their own words very briefly why they picked the quote and how it relates in their minds to the topic. So Mark Christian at Intel sent us a quote from Ozzy Osbourne. I did not know that his real name is John Michael Osbourne. That's interesting. Very much alive and well-born in 1948. I know how old he is and I'm not telling. And this is a quote from the song Revelation in quote mar- in uh, parentheses, Mother Earth. It's side two of his album, The Blizzard of Oz. And there are two Zs in Blizzard and two Zs in Oz. It's his debut studio album from 1980. Boy, we're going back in time. Here's the quote. To fight each other, there's no one winning. We must fight all the hate. Oh my, I'm getting chills. Mark, what a quote for for our world today. We're not going to get into politics, I promise. Let's relate it to our topic, ESG. Mark, what were you thinking? Yeah, no, it's a Thanks, Bonnie. So uh, one of the things that, you know, during this uh, COVID pandemic, right, we're working remote, uh, a lot of us at home that can. And um, for me, I've been going through kind of listening to music that I listened to as a child, right, growing up. And um, and what uh, really kind of astounded me was that, you know, this topic, right, environmental, social uh, justice, has it's been right musicians artists have been leading the way and talking about this for a long time right this is back in 1980 right and a heavy metal uh you know rock star basically talking about this in in his song so i just thought it was very relevant for the time but also um i i love the uh, quote and it's it's at the very end of a song it's really around protecting uh, our planet Thank you very much. Very interesting. I'm always intrigued by Ozzy Osbourne, but I was fascinated with his wife, Sharon, on so many different shows because she's a flaming redhead and I love the color of her hair. And I used to bring a screenshot from the TV to my salon and say, I, I want to look like Sharon, at least the, the curls. So her hair is straight, mine is curly. But anyway, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. And I will say this is the first time Ozzy Osbourne has been on any of my radio shows in absentia, but on a so thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. I asked Viviana Vorwald, I said, we need a quote from a movie or song. And she said, well, I love Top Gun. I love the movie Top Gun. And I love some of the things they said in the, mo- in the movie. It was that easy. And let me just give you a little background here. Lieutenant Peter, nicknamed Maverick Mitchell, 
in the 1986 action drama film Top Gun, spoken by Tom Cruise, directed by Tony Scott. Maverick just doesn't want to go fast, blah, blah, blah. I'll tell you in a second. The real quote is, I feel the need, the need for speed. Vivian, I couldn't think of a more perfect quote, actually, and I'm not even sure what you're going to say about it. So why don't you enlighten us? Go ahead. Thank you. Well, actually, there's a few reasons, two reasons why I chose this quote. Uh, one is to show that, you know, I was not a great at Thunberg when I was a teenager. I uh, I, I didn't um, think about all the things she thought about. Uh, I actually liked the movie Top Gun, where all these jet fighters are polluting the air. So, um, you know, things can change during the year. So um, well, one thing that I... Uh, I think is that in this time, there's, you know, so much is uncertain at the moment with um, COVID, with regulation on this topic. Uh, and I, I just want to say that, you know, start. Uh, it, companies just need to start. People just need to start with moving. So, I mean, even though um, maybe they weren't too much aware in the past about the, about this topic, um, you know, still, uh, you don't have to be a great Thunberg to, to do something with this. So that was one reason. And then what actually, you know, Tom Cruise said, it was quite funny because they were in a little competition and they just wanted to show that they were like the fastest. So they said, I feel the need, the need for speed. And I, I do think, you know, as mentioned before, this topic has been, uh, well, on agendas, but very much maybe on activist agendas in the past and, uh, I really think it's now the momentum uh, and we really, this is not, this is here to stay and uh, we can make a difference now. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, I think the whole, um, yeah, the whole, uh, you know, stakeholder groups that we're working with, everyone is demanding it. So it's really sort of, you know, I feel the need, the need for speed. Let's do it now and go quick. Thank you. I love the choice. And this is the first time we've had a Top Gun quote on the show. You can imagine all the movie and song quotes I've been getting from guests over the past couple of years at about 200 live shows and 200 shows a year, 250 shows a year with panels of three. So I love my movie and song research. Thank you, Viviana. That was wonderful. Toby has sent us a quote from the song written by David Gates for the group Bread. And the song title is Everything I Own. There's also a Jamaican reggae artist, Ken Booth or Boothy, who performed it everything i own originally recorded by recorded by gates rock band bread for their 1972 album baby i'ma want you hey we're going back in time i've started out quoting a quote from the new york times from 2005 and we're back back into the 70s now the original song reached number five in the american billboard hot 100 and it is ranked number 52 for the whole year and it reached number five in canada woohoo let's just stop there but anybody wants to know about david gates he was he is a very prolific songwriter producer and music guy and here's the quote and i'm gonna try not to sing it toby do you want to sing it no, no, Bonnie, please, you, you. Uh, and I would give anything I own. And I'll finish reading the rest. I give up my life, my heart, my home just to have you back again. Oh, breathe lightly. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. Be still my heart. Toby, rescue me, please. It's so beautiful. No, I, my, um, I came across this song and you know, I urge the listeners to listen to the, my preferred version is the, is the Ken Booth version. Absolutely. But the, you know, the lyrics were written by David Gates and, and, and he wrote this on reflection of, of, of reaching a point of success, success as it was defined to him. He was, he was hanging out with the right people. He had everything materially wanted to reach this point. And his father passed away and he was very close with his father. And, and, um, uh, 
and the songs were much about you know all of that didn't matter he just wished he wished this man he loved was was back and, and i think you know and i actually you know i came across a song uh, you know when my father wasn't very well and, and i was really moved i was moved by the idea of that you know if there's something you love and you perhaps don't realize it and then when it's gone it doesn't matter what else you have it doesn't matter what point we reach and i think this is the this is our you know this is what we're facing now this kind of existential situation that we're losing things and we can't get them back it doesn't matter what else we achieve we can't pay for them to come back we can't engineer them to come back we can't fix them to come back once they're gone that's it and actually you know that that feeling of well you know whatever i have i'll just give it up just to be back there just to be back there with you that feeling for me was extremely powerful and i think it connects to the fact you really have to, to defend something and protect it and fight for it you really have to love it Thank you very much. I'm so pleased with the quotes the three of you sent. I really appreciate the time you put in. Wonderful quotes. And sometimes people say to me, why would I pick a movie or a song quote? Well, it engages all of us and our audience in, in a different way. Oh, I'm going to a webinar. They're going to talk about this. It's, it's real people talk. So thank you, all three of you. Love the quotes. Now we're going to move to our serious part of the show, but I think we've been very serious already, the roundtable. Mark Christian at Intel sent me the following. I'm looking at your statement number two. It's brief, so I will read it. Why don't you take about a two and a half minute dive into this or unpack it, as they say on the news, Mark. And then I will ask Viviana to briefly agree or disagree. Don't be afraid to disagree with Mark. It's okay. You're safe here. And then Toby, I'll give you the honor of agreeing or disagreeing with either or both Mark or Viviana. So here's the statement. In many job markets and industries where competition for talent is fierce and or Attracting young workers is difficult. ESG, environmental, social, and government policies, governance policies are critical for recruiting success. Interesting take on this. Mark, why don't you take us through this, please? Sure, Bonnie. Um, so this is something that I've, I've actually experienced firsthand. Uh, so I uh, had a, let's say, part of my career where I've worked for a number of uh, tech startup venture, venture-backed companies, right? And if you look at the makeup, a lot of times of the organization, um, essentially you're recruiting young talent. You're, you're bringing people that are just coming right out of uh, uh, college, oftentimes, you know, computer science backgrounds and other things. And also the, the location where I live, uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, right, basically in Silicon Valley, a, a tech, uh, you know, hub. And um, what we saw was, right, you, you may have a great offer as far as, uh, compensation, flexible work hours, right? All the food they could eat, uh, um, right? But some of the deciding factors just came down to, hey, what was your policy on X? Um, you know, do you have a sustainability policy? So, you know, I saw some of these actually questions as as an interviewer coming uh, coming to myself from, you know, new graduates. And so I also look at... Um, in some of the other fields that let's say uh, where it's more difficult to get people to start working in the field. And the utility sector mm-hmm. is one that I'm very familiar with, right? There's a basically, uh, we call it aging out or, or there's not a lot of new workers coming in to replace older jobs. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, in there you need to, obviously you want to pay a, a decent wage, but there's, I think there's many other factors that are making people decide, right? Where do they start their career or, or the company that they join? Um, and so that's my take on that. 
Thank you very much, Viviana. I'm going to let you start speaking now. Please agree or disagree with Mark. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I really need to agree with him. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, there's there's a few external drivers, um, you know, in this whole ESG theme. And um, one of them actually being enormous, um, you know, expectations from, from stakeholders and employees being a really important stakeholder. And so, you know, we've seen uh, employees stand up and uh, we won't mention names of, of companies, but, you know, big, big U.S. company. And they just demanded and they did not agree with the environmental policy of the company. So, um, you know, they really have a say. And uh, I do think that the whole reputation of a company uh, is um, is really important if they do something about uh, these issues and yeah, not not just climate, but also you know inclusion, equality, and uh, definitely. And actually, the, if you look at the trust barometer, it's a, it's an investigation you know done every year, and there's so much declining trust in institutions that actually, uh, you know, uh, stakeholders and employees specifically are really looking at the CEOs and their companies to stand up for societal issues. Um, about seventy percent of of the employees say that they expect employers to stand up for societal issues. So absolutely, it's, uh, it's, you need to, and you need to be careful as well. One thing to add um, is that if you do these promises and employees pick you as an employer, um, they're going to be very disappointed if in real life this is just a sort of, you know, um, branding thing and it's not real and they'll leave right away. So really make it real as well. Viviana, you just said something so interesting. You said, if they pick you as their employer, that speaks volume about the job market today. If they select your company, not if you make them the job offer, that's only half of it, right? It's a partnership. If they select you as their employer, very interesting, not just window dressing, but real, real deal. Toby Croucher, join us, please. Agree or disagree with either or both? Mark, I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do an, let me do an agree, but... Or an agree sure. and, sure. if that's okay. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's absolutely the, the the job market for the best talent is very, very fierce. And certainly, in the, you know, my industry heritage, those heavy, traditionally dirty industries have really struggled in the digital space. They've really struggled because actually, you know, they need those skills, but they can't get those skills because that best talent goes somewhere else. And I think that 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 brings in a question of you know as a company you've got to know what your you've got to know what your strategy is and what's core to your strategy and where you need that talent and where actually you can get that talent from partnership and and, and elsewhere but absolutely it doesn't matter whether you know you need those skills or not because you you, you can't have a you know you can't have an organization of people that, that really care and are very passionate you have to have the right technical competencies you have to have the right skills and you have to blend that together in your business strategy but part of this as well is making sure you can partner with organizations. So I would, I, I would even extend the, the, the kind of hypotheses that, that, that Mark put forward and say, you know, even now in terms of partnering, I see some companies don't want to partner with other companies. Hmm. Their employees don't want to partner with other companies because they think, well, I, you know, I'm, the company I'm working for, that doesn't even fit with my values. So even if you're going to get these skills and this talent from an extended network and from partners, that's going to become stressed unless you, you know, uh, uh, unless you're, you know, fulfilling the set of values that are often enshrined in the, the ESC framework. But generally, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, are laid out by companies. So I think it's I think it's it it goes even beyond getting the best talent. I think it extends to being able to work in partnership with other companies if your values are, are diametrically opposed. Fascinating. So it's bigger. So partnership. We could Toby. We might couch the the whole part of the conversation in the partnership with your employees, the partnership with your leaders and management, and the partnership with your partners. And that extends to the ecosystem, and it could ripple all the way down into supply chain, right? Into investors. And and wasn't that part of my opening quote from the Times from two thousand five? Let me quickly go back. And the quote was environmental do goodism. Customers can't buy it, shareholders can't invest in it, but a growing list of big name companies are spending ever bigger chunks of their advertising budgets to promote it. So who is buying into it? And it sounds like from the three of you, and Mark, that was a great conversation starter, that people are buying into it very seriously. Mark, any quick comments before I move on to a statement from Viviana? Mark? No, I, th- I think Toby covered it well. And, and we, we see that, right? I mean, I would just say on the, on the, the value side, right, as far as is do we, you know, is there a match, so to speak, right? It's not just a business or a technical match, but there's also, is there a values match? Thank you. Very important. We used to pin this on millennials just a couple of years ago, didn't we? I, I hope that's not a dirty M word there. Used to be marriage was the dirty M word. Millennials. We used to pin everything. Millennials, they have values and millennials, they want to pick their employer and millennials, they want a, a nicer, gentler workplace and millennials, they want to, to have more collaboration. And we used to pin on them. And now I think it's just, it's bigger. Millennials are no longer. Yes. Yes. Toby, go ahead. In, in a little over 10 years time, the oldest millennials will be fifty. So I think yep. that you know it, we're not. They're not. They're not quite as young. You know, I was just getting to that. As, as they're, <laughs> they're in their late thirties. They have expendable income, right? They have discretionary income, and they have they have come a long way as part of the, their managers, their owners, their entrepreneurs. They hello millennials. We like you. Let's move on, Viviana. I'm looking at your statement number two. Let me read. You you sent me such wonderful details. I'm just going to read the first uh, three sentences, and then I'm going to ask you to expand it. So Viviana says, a few industries were leading in ESG, but others are are picking up quickly. The energy sector has been faced with energy transition for the last 20 years. But since in the past, renewable energy was such a small portion of total energy production, this was not very interesting for the big players. However, pure oil play is gone. I'm going to let you unpack this. Viviana, you're up. Yes, thanks, Bonnie. Well, as I said, you know, um, having uh, been in, working in the energy sector for for the more than 20 years, um, I've seen this development, you know, in the past, you know, the oil companies, um, it was just very a long-term horizon. It was a very sort of stable business. Oil prices, you know, were fine. Uh, you know, of course, there was volatility, but still it was long-term. It will pick up again. It was 40 years project. And uh, renewables was just really small. Um, now, there's been a big shakeup, um, of course, also with, with COVID, where there's really has been a, a strong demand uh, collapse also, and uh, oil prices, uh, of course, you know, going down dramatically. And at the same time, um, there's a lot of, and, and then I have to say that I put a little bit now of the Europe perspective in, because we mm-hmm. have the European Green Deal, we have a lot of focus and support and a lot of regulation on uh, sort of, you know, increasing renewable energy and um, uh, taxing carbon footprint and all those kinds of measures. Uh, And you really see that all these things together, um, 
makes it that, you know, um, also oil companies are, uh, you know, changing strategies because it's not that, uh, you know, uh, we don't know what renewable energy is going to do and it depends on the, you know, political decisions and oil is safe. It's almost the other way around where we say, okay, we know that, you know, renewable is the future, uh, whatever sources, if it's, if it's, you know, hydrogen, wind, solar, but, um, and we don't know what's going to happen with this whole volatility in the oil price. So it's, it's turning a little bit round and, um, uh, you see a lot of different strategies within the different companies. Uh, and uh, so within the same industry, you see, you know, different strategies per company on this. Uh, but my vision is that pure oil play is gone. Thank you. Interesting. Toby Croucher, join us. Agree or disagree? A lot to talk about there. Well, I I, I, I suppose, I, and the last comment, pure pure oil play is gone. I I. I, I I disagree with that, and I'll make the case as to why I disagree with that. But you know, the the, the general point I think about you know, ESG, the ESG movement actually, which is we want it doesn't matter what industry you're in. There's some historically bad industries, but all industries we want you to we we don't want you to you know make a mess. That's the E. We don't want you to hurt anyone. That's the S. And we want you to be well behaved. That's the G. So <laughs> you know you know don't make a mess. Don't hurt anyone. Be well. And then we want everyone to do that. But you, oil companies, you're a you're a particularly you know you're a particularly uh, you know an area of particular focus, and I think what's happened in that industry is they have been wrestling with this transition for a long time. They haven't moved quickly enough. There's a number of companies which are the big vertically integrated oil companies, the big companies, and we all know the brands. They're now suddenly have to kind of really scramble quickly because they've got a profound ESG issue, which is they're producing a product. The world says it doesn't want to buy in the future, and that's their that's their core product, and that's a very very difficult position to be in. They're moving away from that, and the reason I so I, so I broadly agree that the, the disagreement I think is is it's it's the pace at which we can transition off oil and gas is a challenge in that space. It will still remain a significant industry, even as it ramps down. Extraordinarily, we're hearing oil companies now, and this was from a big European super major, big European oil company, say by 2030, in 10 years' time, we're going to produce 40% less oil and gas. I mean, that's that would be like an anti-strategy 10 or 15 years ago to say you're suddenly going to produce less of what you've been producing for the past 120 years. So I, I agree with, with – with, but there'll still be room – for, for oil and gas companies in that space, uh, pure play oil and gas companies, they'll just be much, much smaller. Interesting. Viviane, you want me to give you a chance to uh, respond or shall I move on to Mark and then you'll respond? What's your pleasure, Viviana? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll just quickly then, I, know I, I, I do agree. It's still, of course, it's still there to stay for years. We need it. And I also want to say that, you know, it's... Uh, um, we need the, the oil companies and they do a great job in actually you know, providing the whole world with, with an energy and having this economic prosperity. I mean, we can we have need to turn the lights on and they're really necessary. And uh, I do believe in the transition. So I think the transition is key, but, uh, you know, purely the, that transition is something that will happen. Thank you. Mark Christian, your turn. What do you think about what Viviana started and or what Toby said? Talk to me. Yeah, well, I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll agree that the pure oil play is gone. But uh, I'll just say that it's really been substituted by an oil and gas play, right? And um, I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, oil companies, right, 
planning for transition, making huge investments in renewable energy and, and you know, diversifying their mix of product. But I also, um, you know, just having some experience working with some out on uh, some of the kind of the development sites, right? I would say there's still massive investments in, uh, you know, exploration, uh, extraction. I think where I see some of the difference, and this is just some of my personal uh, experiences, there's a lot more emphasis on environmental compliance and doing things in, let's say, um, uh, uh, you know, a more environmentally friendly way. Uh, but I'll say a lot of it is driven by economics, right? Because of um, either regulatory pressure or, uh, you know, consumer preference, right? And, and that goes to um, how people view the company. But I, I completely agree that, you know, we need to get to a transition, but I just think there's, you know, you've got the companies that are planning ahead and, and doing that. And other ones that are saying, you know what, I'm going to ride this uh, um, uh, basically oil and gas play until it's gone because they don't see it ever necessarily going away. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. I want to move on. We have about, well, about 10 minutes left to our conversation. All We're covering a lot of very important topics, but I'm going to move on to uh, Toby Croucher. I'm going to combine, I'm the dealer here, I'm the moderator. I'm going to combine your statement two and statement four. I think there's a nice segue in there, so forgive me for this. Toby says, companies are making super strategy statements of where they want to be in mid-century. This is a good thing, but has a potential risk. We need to build the right memory of what companies promise as it is prone to change. And this can be okay, but not always. That's statement number two. Number four is everything is very heavy on this topic. There needs to be room for success and celebration. It needs to be fun. So I think those segue nicely. Toby, would you please talk about either or both? Take about two and a half minutes and then we'll see what Mark and Viviane have to say. Go ahead, Toby. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I mean, I, I think of, 2020 is almost like an, in a sporting context, it's almost like half time. It's almost like the half time team talk because we've had, you know, we've had 20 to 30 years where we've, we've, you know, we've known about climate broadly. We've known a lot of the issues and the, the whole sustainability movement has been moving, you know, since the early nineties with the Rio Earth Summit. And, and a lot of companies have come out and there's an institution or an organization called Science-Based Targets, which are, you know, companies setting targets for, uh, their emission reduction pathways. A lot of companies, brand names, companies have come out and they've done something which I think is extraordinary. They've suddenly said, you know, this is where we're going, this is the type of company we're going to be in 20, 30, 40, 50, 30 years out. I mean, that's, you know, imagine a company in 1990 saying, this is where we're going to be in 2020. I mean, a lot of, a lot of digital tech companies didn't even exist then. Um, so they're saying something quite, you know, quite extraordinary. Now, what they're saying you know, are directional statements of intent. But over that time, a great deal is going to change. A great deal is going to change around them. And that doesn't mean they won't necessarily be doing the right thing because they're going to have to find ways in which to do things they've never done before at a scale they've done before with solutions they haven't even envisaged yet, with business models they haven't got, with technology that isn't isn't scalable, with 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 data and digital capabilities they haven't put in place. So I think there's a it's 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 really important actually, and this is the flow of capital from the investor movement, but also with customers, with employees. Actually, we don't say, "Ha, you've said that, you said that. Now how are you going to get there? <laughs> how are you because we don't know yet. They don't know often these companies, and the effort to work that out 
the effort to work that out is going to be really, really complex, collaborative, and require us, you know, in, in a proverbial sense, to kind of throw the kitchen sink at this because some of these changes are going to be so difficult to achieve, and we're going to have to work. So that I think this is to be celebrated. This 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 shift that companies have made, but also we have to be, you know, we have to see, and I think this is where investors and the ESG movement could be a little bit tougher with companies, and and you know that, and actually say, look, we want to see the roadmap, we want to see the path, we want to see how you're going to get there, and actually, if you don't, if you're not really clear on that, we're going to we're going to raise an you know, an AGM resolution, we're going to challenge you and try and flush this out because actually we can't let that. We can't let that hang there for 30 years and then come back to in 10 years. You know, we're going to really have to start making progress year on year because it's so huge, the challenge some of these companies are making. So I think there's a really interesting shift this year, this year and last year in particular. Last couple of years, a lot of these statements have come out as to where these companies go. Now, at the same time, we can't, we, we can't have 30 years of kind of anxiety and mm-hmm. hand wringing and doom and, and, and despair. And I mean, I, you know, I often, you know, don't, sleep well at night and I don't need I mean I <laughs> I don't need more of that uh I, I mean I want to see that we can find a way actually working together that it's 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 more of a kind of moon landing experience that yeah we're getting there and we're making progress and that's positive and employees are feel buoyed and I think that's a far better position that we get in I mean I I just was reading kind of Naomi Klein's book on fire and Naomi Klein she really captures the, the whole movement around um, climate and the challenges in a fascinating way. And she said, there's a culture of despair, which is we've kind of, in some places it's not said, but we've kind of think, oh, it's, it's, it's a given, it's going to happen. We're not going to make it, which I don't believe is true by any, any stretch. But if we do make it um, and we do deliver these huge strategic shifts supported by ESG and the flow of capital, we're going to have to do that in a way actually where, yes, we work together, but also it feels like fun and it feels like we're getting somewhere mm-hmm. and we're bringing the hydrogen economy forward. And that project was fabulous and we're sequestering carbon and that was a great success and we're going to do it here. And it feels like something that's that's happening to us as, as consumers across society, companies and the extended network of partners that feels like we're really moving. And I, I, I mean, that's my sense, you know, putting these two things together, which is we've got a big direction to go in. Let's try mm-hmm. and let's try and find a way to enjoy it as much as we possibly can. I know the stakes are very high, but you know, thirty years of uh, you know, thirty years of anxiety. I, I'm not sure I can take that. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's why I put the two together because I thought we needed to end on that note. Mark Christian, I have a few minutes, about two minutes for you to comment, at Vivian, and then we're going to wrap up. Mark, what do you think? Lot to talk about. All right. About. Yep. Yes. Um, so you know, I agree with Toby in, in, in the fact that right companies are making the shift. And also things need to be celebrated, right? It can't always be doom and gloom. And I actually think, you know, there's a lot that's being done today for companies to um, demonstrate and and, uh, communicate their success, right? I just look at some of the companies that I have worked for um, and uh, how they have announced, say, one of them that I work for is, you know, by 2021, that's next year, they're going to be net zero on greenhouse gas emissions, right? And so they set a target way back in 2009. And, and you know, why can they celebrate the success? It's because they put the fundamentals in place to actually track things, right? And so I think that's kind of the, you know, where it starts, right? You could have this great goal, but how are you, you know, to Toby's point, there's going to be a lot of technology and innovation that's going to happen that we have no clue about. That will help us get there. But just like anything, right, you have to be able to at least measure 
where you are today, and then you know be able to compare yourself over time. And so there, there's some great uh, advancements that have been done as far as open sourcing methodologies um, to track specifically you know the environmental side, but we're also seeing that I would say on the social justice side too. So thank you, Mark. Viviana, you get the last word on this. Go ahead. Oh wow. Well, maybe on the two two topics, uh, I fully agree with the positive, you know, and the versus anxiety one. Uh, actually, my first quote I wanted to to say was, um, but it was not from a movie, so not allowed. Um, but it was like you need a negative focus to survive and a positive one to thrive. So you know, let's every every step in in this direction is positive. So you know, let's let's stay positive on this. Uh, every movement we make as a company. Uh, is is in the right direction, even though it's small steps, it doesn't matter. Let's just start. And that's why I disagree with the second piece. I I, um, I hope that uh, we, um, how do you say that? Realistic goals. I don't really like realistic goals. Um, you know, then your ambition, you, your ambition, put your ambition, dream big, put your goals out there and you don't know exactly how you're going to get there and that roadmap needs to be really flexible because as it was said before and I fully agree with that like Mark just said you know there's a lot of technology innovation coming at us we don't know where it's going we don't know how fast we, we don't exactly know but uh, let's put that goal out there that we all gonna work for so um, and and maybe it's a year later uh, or maybe if we do it well a year earlier but let's put the goal out there and 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 um, um, yeah, so even though we don't know the exact path, how to get there. Thank you, Viviana. Great around the table. Toby, two great statements, as all of you provided. Let's do our crystal ball predictions round. I'm going to dare you all. I'm going to challenge you. 60 seconds each. Let's see if you can keep it that tight. I would appreciate it because we're on the clock now. What do you predict will change between, let's say, December 31st, 2020? We are almost there. And Anytime in 2025 or any shorter time frame, I'm getting a 60 seconds, Mark, Christian, and Intel, go. All right. I'm going to take the position that it's something that's already seen happening. I think when we talk about, um, you know, public employee investment uh, vehicles, right, like pension funds and others, we're already starting to see them divest from companies say oil and gas companies or companies that don't have, uh, or let's say have a poor social justice record. So my prediction is that we're gonna see that trend continue and you're not gonna see a, a you know public investment holdings um, in just investing in these companies. So it's gonna be market driven. We're gonna basically weed them out um, and it's gonna be through economics. Thank you very much. Viviana Verwald, what do you think? Yeah, so I probably don't need 60 seconds. I really think that um, in the in the coming years, uh, so one thing is this is here to stay. Uh, it's not as you sometimes hear a trend. Uh, this is really here to stay. And I think the financial sector and uh, investors, private equity, uh, are also going to put a big demand and uh, request mm -hmm. uh, on this and a push, a big push in the coming years. So uh, together with you know the employees from the other side, um, this will just really go quicker maybe than we think. Thank you. Toby Croucher, final word. There's been a lot of pressure kind of upstream the heavy asset intensive industries on, on those. And I think that will continue. But I think the real shift we'll see over the next few years is, is the consumer pressure, the consumption pressure coming up from individuals and also from, from business to business. I think they'll be pushing a lot of pressure 
on their suppliers, through their supply chain for, for, for products, for services. And I think what will start to happen is as, as that pressure increases for differentiated products, I think we'll start to see the companies that do this well truly win. They won't just be applauded in, in ratings and indices. They'll truly start to differentiate and separate themselves with their, with their market share and, their, and as a consequence, their access to capital and growth. So I think these you know, winning and growth and, 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 and being effective in this space, I think are all going to go hand in hand. I don't, think they'll be, I don't think the case will continue to have to be made. Thank you very much. I have gratitude to share here. Thank you to our three panelists. You are all so articulate and passionate and engaging and just so smart. And I learned so much from all three of you. Thank you for all of the work you did before the show and for such a great conversation. I want you to all put your hands together for Brad Borkin and Susan Walker at SAP who sponsored this series. Come on, I can see you all on Zoom. There we go. Big applause. I want to also say thank you to, and I'm going to do my best here, Anastasia Savastianova at PwC. How did I do on that? Viviana, did I get it right? Okay, pretty well. And Lisa Chalmers and Angela Harvey at SAP. And let's also put our hands together for our engineer, Matt Widener at Voice America World Talk Radio, the business channel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next time for another episode of Think Tank Conversations in a Digital World with New Perspectives. Everybody have a great one. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, and take care of our world. That's all I'm going to say. Everybody wave. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning into Think Tank, Conversations in a Digital World, presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Keep the conversation going by tweeting your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAP Radio. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel next time.